You're listening to the Platte River Bard. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Platte River Bard. This is Chris Berger. And I'm Sherry Berger. And we are here with Maury Enders, the executive director of the Lincoln Community Playhouse. Mr. Enders, thank you very much for talking with us this afternoon. Uh, Well, thank you for having me here. Welcome. It's just such a pleasure to be able to talk to you. You have so many exciting things coming up. We wanted to be sure to talk to you about them. And I know that you've, you've just announced your season, so this seemed like a really good time. Perfect time. Yeah, we're going into season 77 here at the Playhouse. Wow, 77. So I'm, right. I'm, I'll, I'll, that alone is a miracle, right, in the theater world, <laughs> Yeah. in the community theater world especially. 77 years. Yeah, yeah, we've been around a long time. We've been in our building since 1972 on South 56th Street in Lincoln. Uh, we started uh, before that. We were in a old synagogue. And before uh, that, we were in a bathhouse. <laughs> Oh, oh my gosh! No way. <laughs> yeah, I would love to see the pictures, but I guess maybe you can't see them because they're 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 not safe for work. The <laughs> bathhouse, and then originally we started out as a little group called the Circlet Theater because the people met in a lobby of a hotel and they went got in a circle and read plays together. Oh wow. my gosh! Yeah, so it's. Yeah, it's quite a career through all those years, and now we're now we're in our own building since 1972. That's been designed to be a community theater. Mm-hmm. It has two spaces: a 272 seat main stage and a hundred seat black box. Oh, neat. Okay. Oh, oh, that's so neat. That's and I know I that never knew that about that. That is. Fantastic. I didn't either. And I know that during the pandemic, you really adapted quickly. You were doing things out in your parking lot. And- yes. You guys were very agile, very quickly. Yes, it was crazy times. Yes, yes it, it was. was. So you know, so it when when COVID hit, we were we were um, in our last weekend of the Sunshine Boys by Neil Simon on our main mm. stage, and I felt like we were like in that whatever what's that Twister movie where they're chasing the tornadoes. Oh, I yeah. felt like I was running away from the tornado. <laughs> But you could feel it coming towards you. Like all yeah. of a sudden people started calling going, I'm not coming. I'm not coming to the theater. I'm not. And we're like, can we make it yeah. to 4.30 on this Sunday afternoon before we're shut down? And yeah. we, we did kind of make it. And then it was like, chunk, and yeah. everything shut down. Was it? Wow. And so, you know, so what are we going to do? So uh, we, well, we didn't do anything for a little bit and just just sat around and panicked i guess and then it was like okay so what can we do and so we we started doing a lot of video things on social media where people could record their own videos at home we called it uh lcp connect and uh people would post their favorite they'd sing a song or whatever and and we we connect them up on with the hashtag and then that uh, developed into um doing the songs where everybody sings a piece of it and you kind of stitch it together oh yeah but that's really that's really hard. Yes, that's much harder than you think it's going to be. Yes, it is. Exactly. <laughs> so we made it through two of those before we went, wow, this is really hard. Yes. And so then what else did we do? And and um, I did not come up with the idea of moving into the parking lot. I stole it from other theaters. Because, of course, we're all all writing each other saying, right. what the hell are you doing? Right. How are we going to get through well, this? You didn't and, have a lot of so options. We, <laughs> yeah, so we did, we did what we called parking lot plays. Yeah. And so with that, we had um, several nights where we had concerts where people would sing uh, um, solos and, and duets and families would sing together. Um, we also had um, a, a children's production of a radio show, which was about the Wright brothers and the sound effect people. And then we did a, a melodrama um, that was um, uh, John Burkhart, who did a lot of melodramas in the day, um, had a bunch of them handy. And so we did one and it was a lot of fun. And people, we had a FM transmitter, like, you know, when, when you're doing um, Christmas music and you're going around and looking at the light displays, it says, tune your radio to this signal. And it's coordinated music with the lighting display at the person's house. We got one of those FM transmitters yeah. and uh, got a little sound board to make that work. And people would go, come up, they'd drive up. We had, we had you know, the specific places that they could drive up. We had a little stage. Um, 
then they would tune into that FM signal and they'd listen to the yeah. performance because the actors were mic. The only problem that we had um, was uh, when we did the melodrama, especially okay. people would honk at the villain oh. instead of booing him. <laughs> yeah. They're like, meh, 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 meh. Tremendous. Oh, no. right. It was great. The only problem is we're kind of in a residential area. Oh, right. <laughs> oh. So, you know, so suddenly these poor people that are, you know, one one layer of trees away from us thought they were on the L.A. freeway. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> they, they were not happy. Well, somebody was not happy enough to call the city and, and put a noise violation oh, on it. No. So we had, a, we had to not do any more beeping. You, you oh, had to, that's great, though. Couldn't beep anymore. And then then we were like, so let's, what else can we do? So we did old time radio. So oh, yeah. we could rehearse by Zoom. Mm, with yeah. everybody yeah. and then we would they would come into the theater and they would spread around the place and everybody was was hooked up with their own little wireless microphone and we could record those and then later in an edit they do the sound effects and music uh we had a guy who did original music for them um and then we produced those so we had even though we were closed we had like 140 roles for people through the radio thing Nice. Which is pretty amazing that's when you're really when you're not amazing. doing any plays. Yes. Yeah. Um, oh so that was all very good. That helped to keep us busy and kept people connected with us. And then, well, of course, there was a, a great support from the government, um, yes. which was really helpful well, with the PPP loan. Yeah, and it was nice that you guys were able to realize the technology that you had available. And, I mean, we can put together a radio show on our computer now. I mean, right. So microphone. I mean, I mean, yeah. that's that's fantastic. You guys were able to say, oh, hey, by the way, you know, we can do this. Yeah, because most people it, can it, do that. They don't know they can do that. A lot of stuff with the technology. Well, I can't do it. <laughs> well, but you you're fortunately your folks we have did. People, yes. we have people here who can do that. kind of That thing. is that is but, excellent, though. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, and then one of the radio shows we did was. I thought, oh, as long as we can do this. So we did a Maury reunion show. So huh. I've been in different theaters uh, in my career. And mm -hmm. so we pulled in people from around the country. And we actually did record that online. Everybody was online oh, in their various yeah. homes. Yeah, we had people on the East Coast, up in Minnesota, uh, in California. And they were all, we all did a radio show together. Oh, how neat. You know, yeah. you're one of the ones that you guys were so active during this time and yes. you adapted, you pivoted like so well and did things. It makes me wonder if, if people will ever do, you know, like a throwback pandemic event or something in the future because you made <laughs> oh, it so I, memorable. <laughs> I think we're too scarred for that. <laughs> too soon? It's too soon. Yeah, too soon. Too soon. And it was kind of funny, but was uh, we actually, for the parking lot plays, we got featured on Good Morning America. We, oh, we got featured on national television, right? I remember right? seeing, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And, and all of my, my peers from around the country are like, well, you're doing parking lot plays. No one called us, you know, or, you know, or we did it first. And I'm like, I, I didn't, I, in the interview, of course, which was cut, was yeah. we, we are doing, we found out about this from other people. And so we ran with it. Of course, they cut that out because right. they want to make it like I'm the only one in the country that does it. Right, right. There was some jealousy, but I got to say, you know, I told the people, I said, look, here's the deal. So when one of the people was from the TV was talking to me, prepping about doing this interview, finally, then she goes, now, where are you again? And I was like, they really researched me. Yeah. yeah. Where are you? <laughs> Yeah, maybe that was to make up for that noise violation that you got. <laughs> Somebody wanted to put some good juju out there. For there you guys. go. <laughs> but you know, it was fun to be on national television oh, for yeah. it. I admit it, and you know, and also it just it it, it did tell the story that community theaters around the country were pivoting yes. and trying to figure out ways to keep their people engaged. Yeah. Because you know, yes. the theater people. I mean, you can imagine the theater people have in their souls the need to perform. Yes. Yeah. And yes. and suddenly they weren't performing. No. So that was killing them inside. <laughs> yes. yes. You know, so finding these little opportunities really helped. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I well, mean, I mean, at mental health, think about the mental health problems of being a performer and not performing. Oh, right. yeah. Oh, yeah. Exactly. You know, online became a, became kind of a solace for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. um, we, yeah. Especially the live performers. Uh, yeah. I'm with a group and we're live performers and we 
pivoted to online. It's like, okay, well, I guess we're online now. <laughs> now they have to keep it up. And that's what I wondered about, you know, your challenge as well. If you feel like you have to keep some of this up. Well, that, I mean, I think we're all relieved actually that we're coming back to live performance. Uh, we yes. were, we did not do streaming of shows. Okay. Uh, that, a lot of theaters did that. We just, we felt these other projects were keeping us going enough that we didn't need to go into streaming because, yeah. um, you know, I even find it hard to watch streaming things sometimes and, and I'm a theater person. So right. uh, and it isn't the same thing. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's a really sad facsimile of a live performance. Mm -hmm. So we didn't do that. So, um, but we're really glad to be back and have some audience members. We started, we programmed when we came back, we programmed, very small shows basically so okay. we started with the fantastics um calendar girls our biggest show we had a one-man christmas carol yeah um and yes. our biggest show was really the penguin project um with which elf jr last in the holiday season and uh, that was even risky i mean i mean when we were programming these things we were thinking there was light at the end of a much shorter tunnel yes. than it turned out to be mm -hmm. But we were able to make it through. Um, that show was performed all in masks. Uh, we bought these clear masks so you could see people's faces. Okay. Uh, and then, then I, I had a show in January that I moved to June. So we still have coming up a, a one-woman show called Every Brilliant Thing in our studio theater. And I moved it because I figured, there were, one, there'd be a, a post-Christmas spike of COVID. And it was in our small theater, 100 seats in the round. And I thought, I don't think people are going to be ready to be in a little room like that yet. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, yes. At least with our 272-seat theater. I mean, we did everything from, uh, uh, first of all, we made it so that you, you we would put six feet around every person so every, or every group of seats that were purchased. So um, our 272-seat <laughs> theater was, was brought down to like 40 seats. Wow. You know, it's hard. It's wow. hard to make make the bills mm -hmm. payment when you're doing 40 people right. a night right wow you've you've really you've really been able to to figure it out though so the next so every brilliant thing is the next thing that you're doing and are, yeah. are you doing are you are you full seating right now are you masking how are you yeah well we also went through all of those so we were following the cue from broadway um, and so for a while, our, our audience members were all masked and we checked vaccination cards when okay. they came in. Okay. Yeah. Um, our actors and crew members and any people who were front of house, they had to be uh, have proof of vaccination um, as well. And so now we, we have kind of, I mean, it, we followed those standards and, you know, I got called a commie and a Nazi and I got called a commie and a Nazi in the same sentence. <laughs> well, that person doesn't know history very well. <laughs> you know, and, and we had a few arguments, that minor skirmishes, I would call them, in the lobby. Most sure. people were very happy that we were doing it. Yeah. Um, and then, but as, as, as it has gone on, I mean, and Lincoln went, you know, from the red to the orange to the yellow and to green. And, and so we, we adapted and went, okay, now we don't need to require masks or vaccination cards from audience members at this moment but we still are making sure that all of the participants are fully vaccinated. Um, last night we were doing Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. One of my actors is feeling a little under the weather and took a COVID test and was negative, but just as a precaution, he wore a mask last night in the performance. So, right. you know, we're gonna, it's gonna be a while while we make these kind of adjustments mm -hmm. um, through through these next few months or even a next year even. Yeah. Is that one of the reasons that you're you're bringing back your one man Christmas show for this upcoming well, season? I, I don't mean to get ahead of us, but yeah, no, we're bringing back the one man Christmas show because he was so great. Yeah, that's what well, I am. That's really what we read. Bringing. Yeah, yeah, he was amazing. His name is Dick Terhune. Terhune is how you his, say is okay. Terhune, yeah, and he is one of our. Uh, uh, legends of the Playhouse, which is like the Hall of Fame. Yes. He uh, was in lots of shows, moved out into the East Coast. He makes his living as a voice actor. Yes, yes, um, yes. So, so he does commercials and national commercials, and he is a voice of Transformers cartoons. Wow. You know? Oh, excellent. He, yeah, so I mean, like, he really is a voice actor. That's awesome. And uh, a couple of years ago, he put together this one-man version of Christmas Carol, and as you can imagine, he can do all the voices. Of course. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and uh, uh, he did it, and we were actually going to bring it back. 
bring it here, uh, but COVID wiped it out first time. And then we said, why don't you bring it back? Why don't you bring it to us? And he did last year. And it was amazing. People came out raving. But of course, yeah. it was still in the COVID fairly heavy time. And so not as many people came to see it as really should have seen it. And uh, I asked him if he would be willing to, to bring it back. And he said, yeah, he has family in this er in the Lincoln area. So it's a great chance for him to do the show. Oh, and also, yeah. so uh, yeah, so Dick Terhune will be ushering in the holiday season at the Playhouse on November 18th through the 20th with a one-man version of A Christmas Carol. It is a really an acting feat, and, and it's a beautiful show, and it's really funny. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, one of the things you realize is that even though you're familiar with A Christmas Carol because of The Muppets or Mr. Magoo or, you know, what, <laughs> but but all of those, he, by this text is really right out of the book. Okay. Yeah, you know, it's an edited dramatic version of the of the book mm -hmm. and so it brings you back to this detail of charles dickens writing that you you forgot about and it's so rich of course which is why he's so famous and why the story is so famous <laughs> yes. and and there are there are moments that because he can quickly uh pivot as a one-man actor into touching on a little scene that in a movie would require another set or different actors and so they don't want to take that time he can just give you an extra little illustration and colorization of a moment that you that you haven't heard. Yes. Because because the Muppets cut it out. I had a friend that went to see it last year and they uh, they just raved about it. They yeah. said it was yeah. really, really neat. So you've got a couple more shows before that. So to start your season, you're doing something rotten. Yes. <laughs> yeah, which by the way is the name of the play. <laughs> <laughs> Because you haven't even seen it yet. How do you know it's something rotten? <laughs> well, we've heard. So, yeah. Something yeah, rotten, well, yes. My reputation proceeds. <laughs> yeah, so so Something Rotten is opens in September at the Playhouse, and it, it's going to open season 77. It is a really funny musical comedy about two brothers, the Bottom Brothers. They are playwrights right. in Shakespeare's era in London, yeah. and they never seem to get a break. They always are writing bad shows and being threatened to be closed down and that bum Shakespeare seems to have all the luck. So one of the bottom brothers goes to uh, a soothsayer to find out what's going to be the next big thing. And so the soothsayer gets a little, he's a little wonky and uh, he comes up with the next big thing is the thing called a musical where people sing and dance. Okay. And the guy's like, you gotta be kidding. And, and, the, and which leads us into this really great, number about what makes a musical where there are references to all these great musicals of the past okay. and uh so so they're working on it so so you're supposed to write what you know right so they decide that the bottom brothers decide to write a musical about the the black death the plague <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> which you can imagine doesn't seem to be going very well right. you know, about the black plague and and uh so he's like okay so he goes back to the soothsayer and he goes what's what's shakespeare's next thing and the soothsayer goes okay it's this thing about eggs it's 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 omelets it's about omelets and so the bottom brothers start to write a musical about omelets omelets oh, so, you know it's like he missed it by that much exactly so, um, but it's a really funny show and uh, and and a lot of times we try to name our seasons uh you know like we did one season that we had a lot of um shows that were either uh, made into musicals or then became musicals after the film version. So we called it real to real R E A L to R E E L. Oh, okay. Cute. Yeah. And then, then and then this other one time we had this uh, young actor who was, I was listening to him uh, do a, a talk back and somebody asked him if he was, did he get stage fright? And he goes, yeah, I, I get a little stage fright, but mostly I think of it as being powered by excitement. And I said, oh, I love that phrase. I said, can I use that? So so our season was called Powered by Excitement. Powered Aww. by Excitement. You know? So this year we were thinking about like, not everything is rotten season or, you know, but <laughs> it didn't seem to flow so well off the tongue. Fair enough. Uh, so we went with kind of, and my, my uh, designer for the brochure wanted to do um, feet, to do different shoes. And so we're like, okay. So we went with stepping into season 77. And, uh, and so... We, 
Yeah, so we, so the brochure is going to have pictures of shoes and things. And we did a, a, a thing on social media where we, we put the shoes up and people could guess the shows. And people were guessing kinky boots and uh, things that you know, put loose. And we're like, sure. um, no, it's really called this because the designer wanted to do shoes. shoes. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh. so it's called Stepping into Season 77. So we have Something Rotten, followed by Pride and Prejudice by Kate Hamill. All right. And this this is not your your grandma's Pride and Prejudice or her Jane Austen. This is the kind of more like Pride and Prejudice meets Fast and Furious. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. So it's really fast. It's funny. It's a little maniacal. Um, um, I haven't decided yet whether it's going to be in the main stage or the studio theater. We're going to kind of see how okay. um, it goes with uh, every brilliant thing. But it's really fun. It's a fun show. Um, actors playing multiple characters and costumes flying and this and that. So Excellent. I think that'll be a good time. Yep. Christmas Carol, as we mentioned. Yes. And then um, then, then we're going to do Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer Jr. Okay. Live on stage. The television special. Oh, wow. Uh, really? Okay. Oh, yeah. Yep. So, it, you know, it's got uh, silver and gold. Have a holly jolly oh, Christmas. Yeah. Um, we're a couple of misfits, the the island of the misfit, misfit toys. toys yes. Yep. On oh. Cornelius, the bumble, all of the stuff is there live on stage. So oh. I think that'll be that'll be fun. That'll and be great. What, and when we have children's theater, what we like to do are uh, we do free Title I school matinees. So there will be two shows that Title I schools are invited to come for free. And a lot of these kids have never seen a play before. So this will be a good intro for them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, speaking of which, we had the same kind of thing we had in Joseph. We, we did a, a free performance, so a free will offering. Okay. But you could, anybody could come, right? And it was pretty much a sold-out house last night. There were so many families there. Nice. You know, because some families can't bring four or five children to a play because right. that starts racking up the, the charge. Yeah, it's a little much, yeah. So they were able to bring them to this show, uh, Joseph, and they. I think it was another great introduction to the theater for them. Yes, absolutely. I've noticed that you guys have done that a lot. You usually have one show per one, one performance per show that is kind of like a preview night that's free or donation. Yep. Yep. And that was something we tried this year um, to basically to try to open up our theater. Yeah. Um, I really, there's a thing, a, a, a guy used an expression many years ago to me, and it's called softening the doors. And, um, you know, as a straight white man, uh, I see doors as something to go through. And it's easy to not remember that doors can shut yes. and doors can be locked. Yes. Yeah. And so this was one of the ways that we th were trying to soften the doors so that everybody in our community could feel like the playhouse was their playhouse. Yeah. And and it was a way to break through some economic uh, burdens. So so they can then come and see the play. I love that. Cool. That's a yeah. really and great idea. What um, else what else are you finding? Are you finding that that's that that's really I mean, are you getting more Are you seeing new faces? That, and, and we are seeing new yeah, we are seeing new faces. Now, it will be interesting. Again, the biggest success for that all year was actually Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. And some of that may be the choice of material. Some of it also may be, as with the bigger crowds we're seeing for that show, is that we are kind of moving on from the COVID panic. Yeah. Which is really good. You know, so we'll see how it goes with other things that we do. Yeah. Uh, we also do things like uh, we have uh, theater arts academies, which are classes, and we do scholarships for those full scholarships, at least to a camp um, in scholarship. So yeah. um, trying to do some things. That's wonderful. I'm, I'm super impressed with that. Very, very yeah. forward thinking. And I, yeah. Well, yeah. No, I love the idea of offering the 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 free or or, or donation performances because people will show up that that maybe have never been exposed to theater or never would have been exposed to theater because ah, it's too expensive. We can't take everybody. Well, know. and that goes back to the article that they wrote about you in the Lincoln um, Journal uh, in in January. You were talking a lot about how how you you you've kind of looked to be more diverse so this actually is part just part of that what you're doing yes yeah there's a lot of things that this theater is trying to do and to make us uh more inclusive and more diverse as a theater operation yeah yeah you know also i should mention that when we do the title one school matinees 
Um, we also that's I always say that that was uh, that's the, when we're the most diverse is when we have children from Title One schools, 272 kids filling our theater. Uh, but each of the kids receives a copy of the book the play is based on when they leave. Oh, cool! Yeah, and Sweet. some of that is yeah, and some of that is because we're right next door to Gear Library here in Lincoln. And um, so we have a nice partnership with them. We go over and do preview songs for them of our camps and things. Um, but uh, talking to the librarians, it, it, they said that the, it was the average amount of private ownership of books. So how many books are in Bobby's room or Susie's room when you're when you're a more uh, middle class or more affluent household? It's like 13 and a half books per kid. All right. In lower income households, private ownership of books is one per every 300 kids. Oh, my gosh. That is a book they own. Wow. And so we made it one of our missions years ago to try to get books into kids' hands. Um, wow. So it's so and, you know, we've had little kids grab these books and, and can't believe that it's actually their book. Right. And we're, this is really my book. Yes, this is your book. Wow. What a and sobering the one number. Said, yeah. Wow. And this little kid, this this book is my book forever yeah. and another kid um w when we did frozen um all of the kids got a nice uh, like a big golden book of the story of frozen Aww. and um one of the kids wrote us a thank you note that said thank you for the book i now i have something to give my sister for christmas oh oh my you know? gosh so, really a great thing to do to, a yeah. great thing to do so much fun to see these kids get the books it also let's face it it also um allows the theater performance to have a longer life in their memories because yeah. they yes. can go through and look at the book and remember seeing the play. Mm -hmm. We've been also told by teachers that they will take that book then and in class, they'll read it as a class and discuss what was different about the book as opposed to what they saw mm -hmm. on the stage. Oh, yeah. And why, why do they think that those things were different? Yeah. Oh, so it becomes a classroom le uh, a lesson as well. So it's a, another good thing that we do that I'm very proud of. Wow. I, I that's definitely something to be proud of. That's I didn't I didn't realize those numbers were so sobering. Yeah, they're pretty sad, aren't they? Yeah. For sure. So we do our best. Um, and then part of also our efforts to expand our, our programming and our inclusivity. Um, uh, this this season, we did a, a show called Mufaro's Beautiful Daughters, yeah. Um, yeah. which was our first all black cast mm -hmm. in great. forever right. at the Playhouse. And it was a children's book um, and story based on an African a Zimbabwe uh, folktale. And uh, so that that started to open up or expand our, our choices of plays. And we also had an almost all black production team for that. So I had uh, a lighting designer that came from Chicago, a costume designer that came from North Carolina, and a set designer that came from California. Wow. Excellent. Work on that. And then we had local stage manager, music director, um, choreographer, and uh, director. Uh, but so the next year, uh, the season 77 season, uh, we have the show called The Mountaintop by Katori Hall. Uh, this is a, a drama. It's an adult drama as opposed to the kids show that we did the year, this, this season. Okay. But this is the story of the last night in the life of Martin Luther King. Mm. So it's set in okay. his hotel room at the Lorraine Hotel in Memphis. And it is an amazing piece of theater. Wow. So it's, yeah. And it, yes, it's, yeah. It's, really, it's, really, it's really deep and it, and it's it's two people. It's Martin Luther King and Kame, a maid that that it comes in and brings him some coffee. Okay, and so then it's just a two person days. show. Okay, two person show. Oh, neat! Really, kudos to you for doing Mufaro's daughters, uh, because that's always the challenge is to find enough people to come out and and try an audition and make sure that you know we've got enough diversity in our audition pool. How did you how did you handle that challenge? Well, I mean, part of it is also uh, that if you don't do plays that have those kind of roles available, then it's harder to get the people to come and audition for the show. Yeah. So, um, you know, it really is like the chicken or the egg kind of thing. You know what? And you basically you have to jump in yeah. and say, here's what here's we're doing this play. And you get the word out and you find places to get the word out and uh, you connect with everybody that's in your in your group and especially uh, your BIPOC members of your group mm -hmm. and uh, you get the word out and say we're you know turning things that's why there was the story in the newspaper you know and and that kind of stuff to try to help um people understand that the playhouse is making an effort right um 
And then, you know, we talked to people at the Malone Center and the F Street Center. These are community centers out there that uh, have a, a broader population than is generally here at the Playhouse. So um, that's how we did that. Mm. And uh, we're going to continue to do that. Our, and this yeah. is efforts that uh, are from top to bottom. Okay. So here's the deal. So I was just, uh, this is a, kind of a long story, but um, when after the George Floyd murder, Mm-hmm. And uh, the rise of the re-rise of Black Lives Matter, there were theaters all across the country, uh, regional theaters and community theaters, all posting. You know, we support Black Lives Matters, and and my I, I'm a liberal person. My knee-jerk reaction was to post something like that, but I was a little late. But as you as you looked at the at the postings, they would say we support Black Lives Matters, and in the comments would be comments like, "That's great. Show us a picture of your board of directors." Oh, that's great. Show us a picture of your staff. Sure. That's great. Show us a picture of your last three seasons. Yeah. What kind of plays are you doing? And I was like, you know, um, let's do a little self-assessment. And we did a self-assessment of the Playhouse. And we do not have actually a very good track record. Nothing to be boasting about in that area. So, and, so what we decided to do instead of posting it something on social media and support, we decided to go from top to bottom and do, do research and figure out what we needed to do, what kind of directions we needed to do. And so um, we uh, have, we really diversified our board of directors. Uh, we looked at our, our seasons and we started a DEIA committee on the board of directors and, and the people on that committee looked at possible play titles um, for to include in our theater, which is why we did Mufaro's Beautiful Daughters, because uh, part of their direction was from this committee was we don't we don't want to see a black trauma play right, right. now. Right. Yes, we want to see some more like black joy play. Yeah. And um, one of the ways to do that in and uh, was to go with the youth because youth theater generally tends to be kind of a positive, uh, life affirming kind of kind of uh, material. And uh, we looked at our hiring practices and realized that we hadn't really hired um, BIPOC artists um, with any sort of consistency or, or even really, really trying to reach out. And so that's, that's one of the reasons why our artists came from California, North Carolina and yeah, Chicago, right. you know, to try to, to try to start us up and get some, get some um, mm-hmm. um, history under us. That's better history. Right. Yes. Okay. So, you know, it was a long process. It was a long process, and mm-hmm. we're still working on it, and we're not anywhere near where we need to be. But we are at least going in the right direction now, I think. That's right. incredible that you guys uh, took a step back and did all that, and uh, that's that's uh, really admirable. And, Very admirable. Uh, uh, yeah, and, and pretty incredible. I, I mean, I can't uh, – it's not every place that's going to go, oh, wait a minute, hold on. Yeah. What do we need to do? Most to be people able to look, look like, at it objectively. Yeah, yeah to yeah. look back at themselves. Mm-hmm. Well, and then now, so you're you're doing the mountaintop, which is, you know, which is going to be geared towards more of a BIPOC community. So, um, and that's a, a two person play. You said. Yeah. And then, yeah, but also, I mean, also I'll tell you, I mean, because Martin Luther King is one of the characters in it. Sure. That brought it out beyond the BIPOC. Uh, community as well. Sure. I mean, I think I think um, white people will go. Oh, Martin Luther. This sounds interesting. I yeah. would like to see this go about Martin Luther King. Yeah, about his last and, night. And, yeah. You know. So, but yes, it certainly has a focus in the BIPOC community as well. Yeah, and that's kind of a it's a fictional type. Sort of it's historical very fiction. Life. Historical fiction. It, yeah. <laughs> it's it can't say too much about it because um, it, but it's certainly. It's rooted in history, but veers from it, right? Okay, fairly quickly. Okay, yeah. into to tell being, the story. Being, being another element, um, but you know, it re, it it it. Not only is it really engrossing, and the performers are going to be just great, but um, it it does relate the events, the history, the life of Martin Luther King with what happens all the time past his time. Yeah, up cool. to up to the moment. It's intriguing it's exciting it's devastating but it really is soul stirring yeah and then so after that you're doing sweeney todd which just did this past year i'm sure you'll be doing it differently though (laughs) yes we're gonna yes well i i didn't see the omaha production because that was the opera company yeah yes (laughs) 
Now, um, um, uh, right now we're looking at steampunk. Oh, uh, doing a steampunk tweeny. So now, now I'm on the record of saying it. I guess I better do it. Uh, <coughs> you committed. said you were thinking about it, so you know. Yeah. So Sweeney Todd, um, of course, you know Sondheim's uh, death uh, really shook up the theater world because I mean, sure. I, yeah. most of us of a certain age, even though I'm a little older. There's always been Stephen Sondheim in my world. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. He's always been you know? there. Yeah. 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 So it was kind of a shock when he died. It was right. like, he's, some people are not supposed to. Right. But, um, uh, but so we went back to like, well, you know, we want to do one of his works as kind of a celebration of, of his legacy. And uh, Sweeney Todd is, a, uh, I, it's, it's an exciting musical. I think um, it has, it's, I think it's his master work. Um, Fair enough. Yeah. And I just was real excited to do it. And I got to tell you that, that you know, I'm not the biggest Sondheim fan. I admit that. Uh, Sweeney Todd, for instance, is a, is a recording that I never put on my record player. Okay. Or put it in the, or put it in the compact disc player mm -hmm. or dream it. But in the theater, yeah. oh, my God, yes. it's so powerful. Yeah, it is. And so this will be a chance to put it in its rightful place, which is in the theater. So I think that'll be a lot of fun. And what kind of musicians are you going to bring in for that? Hopefully really good ones. <laughs> <laughs> I should also mention that uh, we did a survey of a bunch of our acting pool uh, of different titles before we put this season together. And pretty much every one of these, most of these are shows that they picked as first or second in the categories that things were available to me. Oh. So, um, um, I think this is going to be a real good actor season because they, in some some ways, yeah. help pick it. Okay, yeah. so they're already sort of primed and ready. They're a little excited <laughs> by some of these titles. <laughs> I love Sweeney Todd. Sweeney Todd, was... Sweeney Todd is one of those like Golden Ring titles where hey. it's not done that often, mm -hmm. but yet so many theater people love it. Yes, passionately yeah. for sure. It was one of the first uh, professional productions i ever saw when i was younger uh was uh, was sweeney todd mm. and uh holy cow yeah, yeah left a big impression and then you're going to be doing some kind of musical comedy murders yeah <laughs> yeah it's called the musical comedy murders of 1940 1940 okay. yeah yeah so i will tell you that originally i was i was trying to get the rights to um uh the play that goes wrong oh okay oh good play which I, which yes, so funny, such a funny play, uh, the funniest play I've ever seen. Um, uh, but those rights were not available to me, mm. so I'm like, what else can I do that's theaterish and silly? And this play, um, are you familiar with the musical comedy murder of 1940? I am not. <laughs> okay, so um, well, it's like a old Bob Hope, almost horror how horror. Um, uh, haunted house kind of movie. Okay. All right. So it's about a group of musical theater people from Broadway who have not been together for years. And the last show they did together uh, suffered from a person called the stage door strangler <laughs> killing off the chorus girls. Oh my God. Right? So now they're back together. They're back together to, to work on a new musical. So they're unfortunately they decided their backer, the person that they're trying to get to back it with money, lives in a remote old mansion. Okay. All right. And it happens to be a blizzard going on. Of course. And the phones go out. Oh you know? no. Yeah. So there's the director and the lyricist and the composer, and uh, there's a, 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 a young actor and a chorus girl and a couple of other people. And people start dying of course. <laughs> yes. yeah and and so who is the stage door slasher right. well it's maybe somebody in that room right because they're, they're starting to drop so um but there's secret passageways and uh double dual identities and it's just and and filled top to bottom with theater jokes so oh yeah that sounds awesome oh that yeah sounds very like fun. fun i love it yeah so that's kind of your farce for the season then. Well, yep, I guess something is. rotten might be a little bit of a farce. <laughs> yeah. Musical, yeah. Yeah. Hopefully not Queenie Todd. But no. you know. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> and then we close out our season with our, our beloved Penguin Project. Yeah. yeah. 
and here we're going to this next year we're going to do newsies a junior which will be in june of 2023 and the penguin project we have done since 2014 you guys are really um, well not, known for that yeah yeah it's not my idea uh but i, I it's it's was started by a man named dr andy morgan in peoria illinois okay. um, one of my board members at the time knew somebody in illinois who had also done the penguin project he's he had a couple of different like satellite chapters in illinois and um, they sent me a video. So they sent her a video. She handed it off to me. And I looked at it. I'm like, we have got to do this. Because the basic idea is that it's a musical theater production, mostly usually a junior show from MTI, that all of the roles are played by children with special needs partnered with peer mentors. And um, it, it, it just, the, the fact that you were opening up the theater to people with special needs, that there was this partnership, this breaking down of barriers between people, and that Dr. Andy was very interested in trying to make it a national program. So we were the uh, fourth theater to sign up for the Penguin Project, the first outside of Illinois, and now there's 50 chapters. Wow. Wow. So nice. I... I yeah, and I'm proud to say that uh, some of those chapters are directly related to us because I know people in mm -hmm. our community theater networks who were like, what the heck is this Penguin Project thing you're doing, Maury? Okay. Yeah. And, you know, we go to conventions and conferences and I would talk about it and yeah. people would sign up. Okay. Um, so so it's, it, it is going really well across the country. Um, and it is an amazing performance because we start... Uh, our normal run is we start rehearsing it in February and then it performs in June. So it is a very long time. It mm -hmm. uses up a lot of real estate at the theater. Okay. We start out with two, two uh, rehearsals a week. It builds up after a month to three, builds up after a month to four, and then kind of goes into what it would be a regular production schedule. Um, our actors are, are children who have autism. Um, they are blind. They're deaf. They have attention deficit. They have Down syndrome. They have. They use wheelchairs. They use walkers. Um, all sorts of, of things that these kids uh, have in their lives every day. And they come to the theater. And it is an amazing experience to work with them. Yeah. Um, they are great people. They are fun people. And like one of the one of the actors was actually at Joseph last week. And I, I cool. said to her, I said, I said um, I'm glad you're here. Are you excited to be here? And she said, yes, I'm excited. The Penguins are doing Newsies Jr. <laughs> In her mission, I said, how are you liking it? She goes, it's great. The Penguins are doing Newsies Jr. <laughs> and afterwards, I said, did you like the show? She goes, yes, the Penguins are doing Newsies Jr. <laughs> you know, so these kids are real excited. By They're ready, our man. She needs to go out into the public, and that'll be everything yeah. that she <laughs> She's your right? PR person <laughs> yeah, right there. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, it, it, it works as a theater piece on multiple levels. Because first of all, they do a really good job telling the story. Mm -hmm. And, yeah. you know, the, like we did Elf Jr. last uh, December and the jokes are all landing. Wow. You know, and the heart, the heart strings are all being strummed and all that by the storytelling. And yet on another level, you're watching a stage filled with usually around 60, 66 kids. 30 artists, which are the kids with special needs, and 30 mentors who are the typically developed kids. And you see the partnerships going on between those teams, yeah. and you enjoy the theater on that level as well. And yeah. uh, you also, you know, you, you see these kids who have had, it, it, you know, it's like I say, one of the things when you become a director, one of the best parts of being a director is you get to say yes to people. All right. You get to say yes. I want you in that part. Yes, you're going to be good. Yes, you sound great singing. Yes, look at the great dancing you're doing. Yes, you look great in that costume. Yes, that was a great show. And once you start saying yes, all of these walls that we have restricting us start falling down because we get to you get you've been told yes. Yeah. yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And so the kids who are in the the, the artists in the Penguin Project, you know, have had a lot of world of no. Yes. You know, and yeah. they get told yes when they come to the Penguin Project and things happen. So, um, you know, and things happen in all of the plays, uh, this great um, transformative thing that we do called theater. But it's really obvious in the Penguin Project. So like one of our, our young uh, guys has autism and he had a delayed response time of 45 seconds. So if you if you would ask him a question, it could take 45 seconds for the circuits to work 
the again channel of response back to you, right? Now that delayed response time is zero seconds. Yeah, wow. And it's because wow. of the Penguin Project. And what we found out yeah. was one of the therapies wow. that uh, therapists use to help shorten delayed response time is they read things back and forth with mm-hmm. the kid. Yeah. You know, okay. they call that therapy and charge lots of money. We call it rehearsal and it's free. <laughs> That's right. That's rehearsal, baby. Right? Yeah. yeah. You know, we have kids with autism who, you know, and a lot of kids with autism don't like to touch or be touched. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there was one kid who was playing playing King Triton in The Little Mermaid. And at the bottom of the page in the stage direction, it says King Triton hugs his daughter. We never went there. Okay. And we got just before uh, performances and those last couple rehearsals, there his arms went around and he hugged her. Oh, wow. Yeah, he's actually he's actually hugged me. And now actually when he leaves the theater, like he was he was an elf, he was fake Santa and elf. And he would leave and he'd see me and he'd run over to the lobby and give me a hug goodbye. Wow. So, you know, it's it's a it's a magical um, thing that we do in the theater. And and the Penguin Project is a is a really um um, very, very visible and very heartfelt version of what we see all the time in the theater, but most people don't really notice that. Right, that's amazing. For sure, I've I've heard so many good things about the pen the Penguin Project. I'm so glad that you are able to continue to do it and and to get enough volunteers to mentor too. That that in and of itself to find thirty people that could be difficult. So yes, and those are those are all young people. Yeah, you know that we it's ages ten through twenty two, and uh, these young people who do it who are mentors often recruit the other mentors for us in their friend group. They talk about it and they bring them in, um, you know. And this is it's it's a little corner of what's going to save the world. Mm. Yeah. All right, is the Penguin Project because. There's so much empathy in the Penguin Project that as a mentor, you have to not think about yourself. You have to think about the other person. You know, you're going to learn all of the lines. You're going to learn all the music, all the dance steps, and then you're going to stand three feet upstage of someone who does them. Yeah. Yes. All right. You're going to have a bag with you that has props so that when your artist needs a prop, you hand it to them. And they use it and then they hand it back and you put it back in your bag. You're the person who is making sure that when your artist is done in the scene, that they know where to go next. They know where the exit is. Because, you know, a lot of our artists are really great in moment A and moment C, but they have trouble with the transition moment of B. Right. All right. So they're right in the scene. And when the scene's done, they need help to get them off stage. Oh, yeah. That's what's coming next. And then you hang out with them backstage. You know, you're their buddy mm-hmm. all the time backstage. You're playing cards with them. You're talking to them. Sometimes you're just sitting with them. Yeah. Um, when you, we do the play, a lot of the kids um, can't handle the noise of a, of a green room. So we, we basically, every other part of the theater becomes the green room. Okay. And if you ever come to the Penguin Project, if you come out and you, and you walk around the theater, you'll often see artists and mentor teams walking together oh. to just be in the quiet. And they're listening through monitors and they kind of have a feeling when the show is. And then they move back into the, to the louder theater area and do their entrance and do their, do their thing. And then they move back out into the quiet space again. Wow. And, you know, to do, to do that, to have enough care in your soul that you're, that you're willing to do that for someone else, that is what's going to keep the world going. Wow. And are you going to direct... Do you direct that show or are you going to direct all of your shows in your season or do you, you have other directors helping you? Uh, well, I actually, we just put out a call for uh, desi- people who want to put in their application and for designing, for directing, I mean, and d- directing for uh, music, directing choreographers, um, sound people, uh, stage managers. And if you're interested in scenic design, lighting design, costume design, uh, and then those people send in their requests Mm-hmm. And I, I'll sort through all of those. I so um, I usually pick what I direct after that is all done, oh, actually. Wow. Okay. My goal is <laughs> that every See what's on the season. Yeah. My goal is that everything on the season is something I really like. Yeah. So I can jump in and, and not feel like I'm getting the seconds. Right. It doesn't matter. I, yeah, I like, you like everything. Yeah. I love all these plays. So. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, you're just such an interesting person. You've done so much. And, and when, every time I see you. When I, I, I just think 
energy. Like you just have all of this energy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got to when I when I applied for my first theater job, which was in La Crosse, Wisconsin. At the interview, one at near the end of the interview, one of the board members said, "Is there any way to contain your energy?" <laughs> and I said, "Why would you want to?" <laughs> right? No. Exactly. How rude. <laughs> you, want, you want somebody with tons of energy. Exactly. Well, you, you definitely know, are. The, you know, the thing is, you know, when I, I was in fourth grade and I played a king in my classroom play okay. and my costume was my bathrobe that I brought from home. And it was the first <laughs> time people noticed me and I got positive feedback and I've been involved in the theater since fourth grade. And mm -hmm. I never uh, this was always my goal was to be in the theater. Mm -hmm. I, there, I think there was a two week period that I worked in work study at, at a cafeteria making toast, but all my other jobs in the theater in the, in my school were involved, uh, like college was, it was involved with our arts events or things like that. Okay. So I have really had three jobs in my life Wow! and they've all been theater jobs. So it's, it's been a great life. Yeah. Because you came from, you were the artistic director at Kalamazoo civic theater and the managing director at La Crosse Community Theater in Wisconsin. So Michigan, Wisconsin. Yeah, I'm from Michigan originally. Okay. I was born, you know, right here. You can't see that just audio, but I'm holding up my hand. <laughs> As people in Michigan do. We hold up our hand and point to where we're from. Uh, yeah. So oh. yes. the, uh, Mount Pleasant, Michigan. And uh, then I went to... Um, I went to work for 18 years at La Crosse Community Theater as the artistic slash managing director. It's interesting when I arrived, it was managing slash artistic director. Okay. But I believe I believe that there is not a theater in the world that was created because someone wanted something else to manage. Right. <laughs> right. I believe every theater was created because people want to do theater. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So about a year and a half in, I just changed it to be the artistic slash managing director. And I don't think anyone noticed, but it made me feel better. Wow. <laughs> there you go. All right. Fair enough. Well, yeah. and, and you've won so many, you've won <laughs> a bunch of different awards. And then I noticed that you are, a, a, you're an admiral in the Navy. Oh, that, that, yeah, that's that? a admiral in the Nebraska Navy. That's kind Nebraska of an honorary Navy. title. Is yes. It, how do you get that? I'm not that? an admiral, admiral. <laughs> no, I've, been on a, I've been on a boat three times, I think, in my <laughs> life. But, you know, the Nebraska Navy. So that's kind of an honorary title. However, I, I am I'm proud to be a fellow of the American Association of Community Theater. Nice. Um, which is uh, which is yeah. kind of the highest you can get on the national level. Mm -hmm. right. um, I'm in the Hall of Fame of the Lacrosse Community Theater. I'm very proud of that as well. And I'm also proud that I am a licensed New York City sightseeing guide. Really? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yes. Excellent. I, yes. I am actually, yes, so uh, I do tours to New York, and I've done tours for many, many years. Wow. Um, I, lo I love New York City, and I love showing it around to people. And um, just a minute here. Oh, yes, here's my official sightseeing oh, tour guide. Badge. Look at you. <laughs> That's awesome. After doing all these tours, I'm like, you know, I'm going to go in and, and take the test. So, admittedly, I studied for the test. Yeah. So, but I went into the, I went into this this you know bureaucratic city office, and I sat down. This lady, I had to take a test at this computer, and when I was done, she said she took she looked at the graded me. She goes, Maurice, you passed <laughs> with a star, which means I got enough right to get a star oh, right. with wow. a star. And I said, I bet I'm the first person in Nebraska to pass that test. <laughs> he said, I think you're the first person from Nebraska who ever walked in this room. Right. <laughs> oh. Wow. So is it just theater related stuff that you. No, it's no, it's, it's all about I mean, just general New York. Yeah. Sightseeing. I mean, I, I will admit that I know a, I know a small I know a lot about small areas. So like what I specialize in when I take tourists in New York or lead tours, I, I do a Broadway walking tour cool. around um, about to tell them the history of the theaters and, and all that and the famous stars and the ghost stories. And um, wow. and I do a tour that goes up to Rockefeller Center and I talk about Rockefeller Center, oh. Radio City Music Hall, St. Patrick's Cathedral. And then I do the New York Public Library and Grand Central Station. Wow. Cool. Uh, actually, 
Yeah, actually, I just said it wrong. Grand Central Terminal, because it's not a station. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. I just failed one of the questions. Uh, on the- <laughs> oh, no. It's, all right. it's ter- okay. Because all, all of the trains either start or end there. It's not a station. A station is there. It's, it's on its way. The That's train true. It goes- is a terminal. That's yes. Right. Hmm. But anyway, so I specialize in that specific area. But I, you know, I've been around New York quite a bit. So oh, cool. do you take people from Nebraska to New York or that's just something that you that's do when you go to New York? No, I know we from the Lincoln Community Playhouse. We do tours to New York City. Oh, wow. um, I've, I've actually done two tours for I did a did a tour for a group from Michigan and a group when I wasn't there, you know, uh, just recently and a group from uh, Kentucky. Wow. So people asked me to come along with them i'm like sure i'll come along with you <laughs> that's, so awesome. that's fun and then I've, I've also led um a couple of london tours and uh, we're working for 2024 i think it is um a tour to greece wow oh, neat yeah the goal that. the goal is with the greece tour is you can evidently rent time on one of the stages of these ancient theaters oh so we're going to like rent it. That's the goal is to rent it for like 15 minutes, hand oh. everybody a scene from like Oedipus oh. and act, act a Greek show on Greek stage. Oh my God. That's so funny. I know. You want to sign up, don't you? Oh my God. <laughs> I actually think that tour might actually get some people from around the country to go oh. see the people to go, hell, I'll do that. Absolutely. Oh. I think I think so got one more. <laughs> <laughs> I'll send you a brochure. <laughs> Please. That's awesome. And what How an cool interesting thing to to think to think of doing when when you don't even live there. That's pretty amazing. I love that. You must really love New York and wish that you lived there or you like to live here and you like to just be able to visit. Well, I've always said if I could live in New York the way I live when I visit, hmm. I would say but living in New York as a normal person yeah. is kind of a hard life. Right. I have to admit, as exciting as it is, it's a hard life. I had a friend of mine who just died a few weeks ago, and oh, he was a, a Broadway hoofer. Okay. So okay. he was a dancer for, um, he did uh, 13 Broadway shows in a career that was like 36 years long or something like that. Um, he was in the original, original cast of Chicago, the oh, original, wow. original cast of 42nd Street. Wow. He danced with Vivian Lee, Scarlett mm. O'Hara. Holy cow. He was in a musical called Irene that starred Debbie Reynolds. And during the summer, she wanted to keep track of her high school age daughter. So she put her in the chorus. And my friend was the dance partner for Princess Leah. No oh. way. Yeah. He also kept danced with Gene Kelly. I'm right. so jealous. All those years, he lived in an apartment that was tiny. Yeah. yeah. I mean, just tiny. tiny New York apartment. Yeah. Yes. Like, and, you know, the kitchen was, and even though he was a gourmet chef, so he made it work, but the kitchen was like so, you know, like the least version of a galley kitchen that you can think of. Right, right. And it was, you know, and the bathroom was kind of abysmal, you know, and I'm like, and there's a guy who had a career. Yeah. 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 You wow. know? Yeah. And I, I'm not sure that I'm quite, I, I hate to admit it, but I'm not sure I was ever quite up for that mm-hmm. kind Fair of enough. life. Right. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. Nope. Lincoln, Nebraska. I love the visit. Yeah. I love the visit. <laughs> yes. Well, Lincoln, and Nebraska. And I love London a- too. I love, I'm so into London now, actually. Oh. So, yeah, I really love that town a lot as well. Some friends over there. That's yeah. another place that is, uh, has a challenge of real estate too. Yes. I, 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 yeah, I, I follow things like Time Out New York and Time Out London mm-hmm. on Facebook, and they're always listing like you can have this one room, eight square feet apartment for a million pounds. Yeah, yes. yeah, cool. <laughs> and I, and I, but I like to do things like like when I go to London, I like to I like I have this book of of where people famous people lived, you know. So like I like I I have visited Oscar Wilde's house like three times. I just stand across the street and look at it and go, my God, through that window he wrote the importance of being earnest. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Isn't it crazy to think about? <laughs> Wow, well, you live an exciting life, even living in in Lincoln, Nebraska, which is a pretty great place to live. So. Yes, it is a lovely community. <laughs> it is nice up there. Well, and you've really you've really made the Lincoln Community Playhouse into something 
pretty amazing. I mean, you've got two stages and no more bathhouse. That's awesome. <laughs> no more bathhouse. <laughs> Not bad, right? I think that's pretty darn good. No, no one has to wear no one has to wear towels anymore when they go right. to the plant. <laughs> but you can. It's optional, right? <laughs> yes. And also, dust and towels are all optional. Here that's right. Plant. And 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 lest we forget, Penguin's doing Newsies Junior. So I I think that's our big takeaway. Penguin's doing Newsies Junior. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's an amazing. Yeah. Yes, that's right. As good as everything else is. Penguin's doing, doing Newsies Junior, man. Yeah, <laughs> Did yeah, you she's hear? Actually, uh, I'm going to her graduation party tonight. <laughs> and I will, you want anybody want to make a bet? She's going to tell me that? Yes, yes she will. <laughs> she will be there. I can't she's wait. Your, she's your best advertisement. Uh, just well, wonderful. it's such a pleasure to meet you. Thank you so much. And we and we really look forward to season 77. That is stepping into season 77. There we go. Yes. And and you know what? If you ever want me to come back and talk about shows or whatever, I'm happy to do it. Absolutely. We would absolutely love that. We love what you're doing. And we're just super excited to work with you. Awesome. Great. Thank you very much, Mr. Maury Enders, the executive director of the Lincoln Community Playhouse. Thank you. Thank you for listening and supporting the arts in the Platte River area and beyond. Please subscribe to our podcast so you are sure to catch all of our future episodes and join us on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Music for this podcast was used with permission by Screaming Skull Productions. See you next time on the Platte River Bard.